when we're talking about curriculum, what the curriculum includes and excludes reflects a theory and a purpose of education. The hidden curriculum affects the student more than the stated curriculum. Examples of the hidden or implied curriculum would be dress code, use of language, whether bad language is tolerated or not, attitudes toward homework and tardiness, rules that are made and the discipline enforced for infringement of those rules, what's selected to teach and the time allotted for that, what is glorified and what is ignored, course athletic programs and the physical education and the rigor of those programs. Do athletes get special treatment? Under athletics, that can be either positive or negative. There are those who want to leave out the Christian principles in athletics. We are schools with athletes, not an athletic team with a school. There are clubs and band and fine arts community service, library and media services, which should be a place that students want to go, much like a fun bookstore. There are indirect services and testing, counseling, and career guidance. Chapel, if you are in a Christian school, worship. The ethos of a school, the distinguishing culture, climate, and moral stance of the classroom and school environment establish and form, inform and form the implied curriculum. The student's operative moral level is going to rise to the level that we require. Standards have to focus on more than rules. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Parental involvement is vital. For the most part, curriculum decisions have been already made. However, with a core curriculum, and standards that are becoming more and more rigorous, the subject matter and the time allotted to present them are vital decisions that have to be considered from the state down to the individual classroom level. As curriculum planners, we must decide to what extent should subjects be compulsory. Whenever a subject is made compulsory, other subjects must be omitted or reduced in their time. Time is a commodity, and there is only so much of it. Scheduling and structure of classes tell a student the priority level, the importance of that class, and what the school system has, has assigned for that discipline. The unity of curriculum content reflects thinking that there are core pieces of knowledge that must be addressed by all educators, regardless of discipline. For example, if you can't read in my math class, that's my problem too, and I need to teach reading. Unity involves horizontal unity, or the subject areas that are distributed across the entire school system, and the planning for the entire curriculum to address each need across the curriculum, across the grade level, as in common core standards. Then there must be also vertical unity, there is continuity among the grade levels. One builds upon another with the material continually reviewed at each grade level and taking the learning to a higher level. Where does this content fit from God's perspective and what does his word have to say about it? As we deal with the big questions of life and different disciplines, we must guard against 
throwing just bits of answers or presenting just bits of answers. We sterilize knowledge and place it in boxes when we do this. We have to help students make sense of the world by integrating what they are learning to what they already know, their prior knowledge. As you can see, content does have, must have, form, order, hierarchy, and intrinsic value. Students should not be permitted to choose only what interests them. We must teach knowledge that carries the ability to generate additional knowledge. It goes back to that old, old saying, I can give you a fish or I can teach you to fish, which would be generative knowledge. Knowledge that will lead you to empowerment and the ability to move forward without me. We must teach content that has intrinsic value. There is worth or value in knowing that piece of information. Core curriculum, or truth, is never in opposition to God's Word. Don't focus on untruth. Focus on truth. Core curriculum does not de-emphasize knowledge. There is truth that must be known. Core curriculum will never point the student away from his potential as his image bearer. Curriculum should flow smoothly between subjects that are integrated and grade levels that build upon each other. Point two states that the curriculum should not present subjects or materials that differ in purpose or perspective or design. That would create confusion and disunity in the knowledge and in the curriculum. Finally, point three, integration will promote unity of knowledge and understanding. These are just typical areas of study in the school system and a typical grade level division that you would have to work with. In this model, the subject is presented in isolation and from the discipline's perspective, math, science, history, literature would be presented without any integration of other subjects at all. In this model, every attempt would be made to blend the subjects and to present them as they are related to the totality of knowledge. How was math impacted by the events of history? And it would be a blending of all the materials and to theme units. This model would be very student-oriented. As you can see, the student would control what they would study within a unit and each would come out of the learning time with different levels of information based on what they had chosen to study. The learning would not be focused on a set standard or a piece of core knowledge. The learning would be much more loosely defined but would be very individual. Regardless of the model chosen, students are going to be impacted. The model is going to define how the material is presented and what the school system or the teacher decides to present. This will tell the student the parent and society, what the school or the teacher thinks should be learned. There are only so many hours in a school day. Integration may mean that the teacher has less time to spend on an area of importance within the subject area. If I teach math and I have to work on reading, that will, that will decrease the time that I have to teach the students math. Reading is important to someone in math but the students that are already good readers will suffer because they won't get as much math instruction. 
If I have to teach reading and math, I just am going to have less time to teach those math skills. Teaching students to live in God's world means that we approach the creation, our fellow humans and the earth, with integrity, respect, and humility. Our job as curriculum planners should be to help students see the big picture that brings all the subject areas into focus. There are specific things that we can do to build the good ethos in a school, but one of the most important things that we can do is to involve our parents. A child needs a parent regardless of how old they are. We have to discourage parental negative involvement, that of undermining teachers' authority or setting examples in dress and behavior that are inappropriate or cultivating a negative attitude about school or a teacher. We also should be encouraging positive involvement of the parents through volunteering or tutoring or attending parent-teacher conferences, helping on work days, promoting the school, encouraging the students and the teachers and supporting the teacher. Parents and schools will support each other if they do share the same vision and that is what we're trying to establish in the whole planning of curriculum, creating a vision that everybody shares.